0: All right, everybody. Welcome back to another weekly roundup edition of On the Margin. Today, I'm joined, as always, by my optimistic co-host, Mr. I, Mr. Love,
1: it. I yeah. love it. I love it. Optimistic. An
0: optimistic show this morning.
1: Well, yeah, it is going to be an optimistic show. So just just to prove that. So the reveal. I'm, I am wearing the orange Happy Bitcoin Friday pants, and I am wearing oh. the Bitcoin Pizza Day socks because oh, nice. while we didn't record on Monday, which was Bitcoin Pizza Day, you know we owe. Actually, both Bitcoin pizza guy and Papa John's, you know, hero status. Mm. You know, everybody says, oh, what an idiot. He could have had. They proved that you could use Bitcoin to do a transaction. And, and that's awesome. So, you know, all the, oh, he could have had two G5s. Okay, fine. Sure. But uh, he uh, set the stage for for what will be, you know, the global... You know, medium exchange someday. So, pretty cool.
0: I agree. That being said, if that was me and I spent that Bitcoin for those pizzas, I'd still be thinking about it.
1: Ah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, that it's with such a different time. How could you possibly have known? And, yeah, we it 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 was the first transaction that happened and had to happen at some price. So we're all very thankful for it. It's just a cool, it's a cool piece of history, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I want to start before we get into the news segments of the day. Obviously, we got to talk about Nvidia. That was a monster move, maybe the largest, uh, you know, absolute value move in, I've ever seen in in one stock. But before we get there, I want to I want to I've been starting to feel. A little optimistic and i know you know if we're working in crypto it's a bear market out there it's been bad for the last 18 months sentiment is relatively low activity is mm-hmm. low but you know i kind of just found myself thinking about it this weekend and just reflecting how do i really feel about what's going on right now what do i really think is happening mm-hmm. and i keep coming back to the same couple of things which is the rate hiking cycle even if it's not completely topped out it's near we've got the having less than a year away And we've got liquidity seeming to find a bottom. All of those three things suggest to me that better times are ahead. Maybe not immediately, maybe not tomorrow, but I feel like we're in the final stretches of this bear market. This is all, you know, kind of pattern matching from previous bear markets. I feel like this is all sort of lining up. I'd be curious if you feel similarly or if you still think we've got a while to slog through yet.
1: No, I absolutely feel similarly. I mean, I said, I, I, I jokingly said, you know, May 9th my my birthday was going to be the the beginning of crypto summer and now I've I kind of gone back and looked at the math and it it really should be mid June so a couple of weeks from now it would be the official kind of equinox if we think mm-hmm. about it in the same terms of of seasons and and that doesn't mean straight up from there right the the parabola yeah. the big parabolic the crazy fomo you know the Like the NVIDIA thing, holy moly, but we'll get to that. Um, That doesn't happen till fall, right? Summer kind of leading up to the halving is more choppy with an upward drift, whereas, you know, winter is down. Spring is kind of choppy with no real up or down. You know, summer is choppy with, you know, more of an upward bias. And then fall, you get the the parabolic blow off top. So I, mean, I, I think we're we're definitely there. Um look, I'm I'm optimistic about a, a lot of things. Um building builders. I mean, I just you know was down in Miami and just when you're around young, energetic, visionary builders, uh even though some of them kind of dress a little different. No, I'm just kidding. Um, That's a poke at at Justin Resvani uh, and his funky shoes. But, um, you know, when you're around these people, it's, you can't help but be optimistic, right? Yeah. And even, well, then there's other little things like, you know, travels back. I've, I've been traveling more. You know, I was at a conference yesterday, speaking to some RIAs and it's interesting. Airports are full. I mean, mm-hmm. full. So all this talk about, oh, we're on the you know, precipice of a recession. And look, I've, I've even been there saying, look, the, the data doesn't look very good. But GDP now, uh, even though consensus is at zero for Q2, GDP now is almost at 3%. So I then you got the NVIDIA. Non nonsense, blow off, whatever. But that's on the margin, right? <laughs> there is money going into to risk assets, and that's interesting because you say, "Well, wait a minute. If they're pulling liquidity, liquidity out of the system, where's the money coming from?" That's that's the that's the one part of the riddle that I haven't been able to really solve. Yeah. Well,
0: it, you know, it depends on how you measure liquidity, I suppose, you know, because certainly post SVB and the banking failures, you know, the Fed's balance sheet has done a drastic reversal, right? And, uh, you know, I, I don't, to be honest, I don't really track. Usually when I think about liquidity, I think of reverse repo, uh, the Fed's balance sheet, yeah. and the TGA. I don't track those things super religiously. But, you know, mm-hmm. my understanding is last year was one of the greatest, you know, withdrawals in liquidity. In the last century, and it would make sense to me that we mean revert a little bit this year. It doesn't mean it's the bottom of the trend, and we we're only going to add liquidity from here. But some amount of mean reversion makes sense after the bloodbath yep. in last year.
1: Well, and cross cross border capital, one of my faves. You know, we yeah. should do uh, one of these shows with with them sometime. I just I just love those guys. Oh, um, me too. But they uh, their measure of global liquidity has turned up pretty sharply. Now, most of that's China, but not all of it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of other central banks that have backed off the, the hiking cycle. And I don't know, it's just it's, now, are there still problems? Cool. Real estate, problems. Commercial real estate, like office real estate, there's some, there's some pain coming. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a perfect example. Now my pain's 18 months away, but there's zero probability. I'm renewing my lease in 18 months, zero. Now I have a big ass lease. I hate, I hate, I hate that, but you know, <laughs> cause people have changed. People don't want to come in the office anymore. You know, we've kind of changed our, our focus. So we've we haven't downsized like laid people off but you know we're now focused on digital assets and and being a venture capital fund and venture capital funds are not as big as you know an asset management firm designed to service a wholesale distribution strategy so you know we've had people go do other things and and not replace them so zero chance i'm going to renew at least despite the fact that i i love my office you know, yeah spend- A lot of time and actually a lot of money um, building it out, but you know, is what it is.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that. The commercial real estate thing, it's just, it's an interesting conundrum to me because it feels so obvious, right? Regional banks are right in the crosshairs of this particular crisis. They own 70% of the outstanding commercial real estate debt. It just feels like the big obvious one, right? You know, you saw the splashy Wall Street Journal headline the other day. Uh, what that big office tower in San Francisco is going for, you know, 20 cents on the dollar type thing. And, and, and it just feels very obvious that, like, yeah. you know, the thing that's in the back of my head is that usually the obvious thing that everyone sees coming, isn't the thing that
1: ends up being A hundred percent, Michael. I mean, look, and and that yeah. is true. Always and forever. Yeah. Right. If, if everybody knows it, it's already in the price. And, and you ask yourself, but how, I mean, where, um, but there was a lot of decimation in the regional bank stocks i mean a lot and so now do more need to go under you know and i guess you know, I, I didn't follow the whole story cuz i was on an airplane but new york froze some assets from key bank and um capital one that's hmm. that's not good right i yeah. mean And something about, I don't know, they were trying to spin it as economic, what do they call it, fairness? Like, no, 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 that's that's socialism, communism. By the way, and I I don't want to go all the way down into, although the wall is red, so we could talk about red. Um, Two things, one, has anyone seen this uh, picture of the 10 planks of the communist manifesto that's Uh, been going around the internet? mm Holy crap, Michael. Look, look at my feed from yesterday and you, you go down and read them. And it's like if I know, can grab it. abolition of property rights. And, you know, and you just go down the list and go, oh my God, that that's like seven out of ten of them are right now, right here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And this one was crazy. And I I retweeted it with a with an asterisk, because I don't speak Russian, but there was a video. Of Putin giving a speech and a guy translating it in real time. And he could have been saying stuff that wasn't true, but you know, people came back at me and said, no, that's actually an accurate translation. Basically, Putin was saying that, you know, this whole wokeness thing is not new. right? So that's the 1907 Bolsheviks, where down to gender and all this stuff. You know, the idea of family was abolished. Man, I, what? That was that was very, and I haven't studied enough history to know how how accurate that was, but it was a very uh, interesting and enlightening speech.
0: Well, I always thought. I mean, like I I, I don't know the the enough details of the Bolshevik Revolution to really comment on that, but. What I do, I did draw a parallel. I was reading a, there's a, there's a great book called the three body problem, a sci-fi sort of book. And, uh, but it basically without giving anything away, people really should read it. It's a, it's a great one. I think they are coming out with a, the TV series or movie series, but yeah. or something like that. But it started in the, um, the cultural revolution in China. And it was just historical context for the book. It drove the plot yada yada but I ended up digging going pretty deep into that and and digging into it and one of the things that I always that I took away from that particular period of time which was a time of upheaval driven really by Mao kind of uh trying to get one last grasp at power was it was a period where ideology the strength of ideology trumped uh empirical truth yeah. and I think you know I don't want to i, I, I I don't. I don't really know. I don't know if we're we're definitely not anywhere close to that. But I. I do. Generally I. I, I, I sort come of on. Don't, to, I,
1: I. I don't know that we're very far. I. I. I, I, think, I think we're a decent I don't ways like away. Saying that, Look, but in cultural in the
0: Cultural Revolution, you know, twenty million people died or something like that. They had roving bands of you know it was it was it was it was nuts. You know that was uh, I think we're a decent ways away from that. But but I do think it. There's an interesting parallel or point to be drawn where, you know, an idea and and there was an idea. It became strongly held. There were political forces that shaped that idea, and at one point, it was more important to support the idea than you know what your eyes were telling you, what empirical truth was telling you. Even if it starts out as a good idea, I always think that's a bit of a warning point for society when that starts to happen. No,
1: okay, so, so I, I I pulled I pulled it up. This this is this is scary to me. Okay, number one, abolition of property and land and the application of rents on said land to public purposes, Mm. okay? Heavy progressive graduated income tax, abolition of the right of inheritance, okay? Saying that you shouldn't be able to pass it down. Confiscation of property of emigrants and rebels, right? Freezing the assets of those you, you disagree with. Centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank, OK, with uh, uh, exclusive capital and an exclusive monopoly. CBDC come to mind. Um, centralization of the means of, of communication and transport in the hands of the state. Uh, you know, the Restrict Act, right? If you have certain apps on your phone, you're you know an enemy of the state. Uh, Extension of factories and um, things, um, equal liability to all labor, right? Everybody's the same. Just gross income. I mean, a universal basic income. Um, and then the last one was free education for all children, abolition uh, of children's factory labor. That's actually a good thing. Um, and uh, but I, I don't know that. That doesn't sound very dissimilar from what's coming out of Washington.
0: I don't, I don't disagree that we're trending in the wrong direction. I would, I would love to see some, some changes made. And, you know, it comes from, and then we can get into sort of some of our macro stories here, but I, I think it comes from, or a big part of it is people like to label it. People have one boogeyman, right? Like some people say social media is ruining the United States. Some people say the federal reserve is ruining the United States. It's probably the combination of many different small to medium sized problems that are culminating in the fact that none of us have a real framework or agreed upon framework. Combine those two and and
1: federal media.
0: Could could do. Could do. But I think I think the thing that um you know the it seems like we just have this system where you can step in and buy up assets and save the market and bail people out. And maybe from a financial standpoint you could continue to do that forever. The pressure valve so to speak i think where that is actually blown off is not necessarily in financial markets it's a it's a social dynamic where the young generation feels the whole system is rigged and it's not particularly fair and i think they have a point i think they have a point so i i think that's the that's the thing that doesn't show up in a spreadsheet or isn't immediately obvious but you know you've raised a whole generation of young people to believe that the system is not set up to help them succeed and that is that's, the big problem that's
1: look that's that's where and and when revolution happens and I'm not, not calling for revolution but but I'm you know study history and whether it's the Bolsheviks or the French or or anybody in between um it's the disenfranchised youth who feel hopeless right the opposite of optimistic right if I mean look I, you know what did I say Pessimists um, are eventually right, but optimists are rich. Um, So, uh, okay, fine, if you want to be eventually right. Um, be a pessimist all the time, and I think it's.
0: Uh, I think it's if you want to sound smart, be a pessimist. If you want to get rich, be an optimist. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the one I prefer. Yeah, uh, especially as someone who maybe veers a little bit more naturally pessimistic. Honestly, working uh, with Jason oh, has look, been a good. Uh... I, I've been
1: able to permanent hair my whole <laughs> life. Really, yeah, so funny. So I'm i bad talk. That. I know, shut up. Um, <laughs> but I remember giving this one talk, and you know, I, I it is back in you know, the 2000 period when, no, 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 it was a gold financial crisis. It was a gold financial mm-hmm. crisis. I was giving my talk about phony and fraudy and Fannie mm-hmm. and Freddie and, and all the problems with the banks. And, and uh, I said, look, you know, stocks are overvalued and bonds are overvalued. And, 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 I went on to talk about all the things that we liked, you know, oil and gas and um, emerging markets at the time and, and private investments also. And at the end, the guy says, could you just say one positive thing? Like, dude, I spent 45 minutes talking about positive, but you only heard the first 15 minutes and then turned me off because you don't like the fact that, you know, phony and fraudy were going to go to zero. Like, mm. literally, we're going to go to zero. And there were banks that were going to go to zero. And that was anathema to people. And, you know, this AMD thing is, is a great example. You know, you got you got people who've been in the business for years, who are licking their wounds because they, they've been wrong, saying, look, you can't justify these numbers. And this is literally like Cisco in 2000. Huh. When it traded- I tweeted that out, actually.
0: Pardon? I deleted it out, but I, I, I tweeted it out, but then I deleted it, that the best comp for NVIDIA today is Cisco in 2000. Oh,
1: no, no. In, in 2000, Cisco sold at 286 times earnings. Yeah. 286 times. And, and then from that point, it went down 87%. And to this day is still flattish. I think it's up just a tiny little bit over 20 something years, 23 years. And that is going to happen to AMD. I mean, to, yeah. uh, to NVIDIA. It is. NVIDIA is a great company. It's a great company. But no company should be valued where it is. And, and yesterday was, was the epitome of the nonsense. You had yeah. very low actual volume driving massive moves because of short covering. And it was, you know, to your point, the greatest one-day increase in market cap in history. It gained more market cap, is my favorite stat, than 472 of the companies in the S&P 500.
0: Yeah, hold on. There's a great graphic here actually that the the Wall Street Journal put out. It shows how much Nvidia gained in market share in one day compared to other storied companies, their entire market cap. So this is already this is already out of date because this got published yesterday, but. So NVIDIA at a 938 billion. It is closing in on a trillion dollars uh, of market cap. It added 184 billion on Thursday. The market cap of Intel is 114 billion. The market cap of applied materials, which is a big uh you know, company in the semi-space is 110 billion, Qualcomm 116 billion, Texas Instruments 154. So the amount that it added yesterday was more than each one of those companies. It's just it's just kind of crazy to me, and no,
1: no, no, no. it's not crazy. It's stupid. I mean, it's literally stupid. I mean, think about this: this company makes one point four billion dollars in profit. Yeah, that's it's not that's not nothing. Yeah, but you can't, you can't pay hundreds of times earnings for a stock. But see. This is no longer a stock. It's now a meme. It's like Tesla. It's and when when the day trading masses armed with their, you know, free money from the state that they have parlayed into something. Look, it this will end badly, right? And I'm I'm not going to say what day. I mean, maybe yesterday was the peak for for Nvidia, who knows? But this will end badly. I mean, like with with meaningful destruction of value. And look, Tesla's on its way, right? Tesla's down 55% from the peak, and it's gonna go down another 50, 60% from there. And it'll have bounces along the way. It's like a rubber ball bouncing down a set of stairs. Each bounce is higher, that's just kinetic energy but the end of the trip's a bad place. Because once the narrative goes away and once people have to focus on the reality of the numbers, it's over. And yeah. it's not over yet for, for NVIDIA. But, I, and again, I'm I'm not going to claim that our little company Chain Reaction is the NVIDIA killer, but Chain Reaction has a chip design for something called a 3PU, which is a privacy protecting unit, uh, which would obviate the need for many, many, many Nvidia chips. And um, we'll see. Hey
0: everyone, we'll get back to the show in a minute, but just wanted to let you know that we've got our Permissionless Conference coming up. This is the one that we do with Bankless. It is the biggest and best conference in DeFi. It's gonna be in Austin, Texas this year, September 11th through the 13th. If you've been in crypto for a while, you know that bear market conferences are the best conferences because those are the one that all the alpha's at. This year, we've got a phenomenal lineup of speakers and the topics that we're covering are insane. We're gonna be talking about ZK Tech, roll-ups, account abstraction, MEV, app change, the whole suite of stuff. I cannot wait myself so because you're a listener of this podcast you're also going to get a discount type in pods 20 and you're going to get 20 percent off your ticket click the link at the bottom of this episode and go get it now because prices go up every two weeks yeah that's so my this was a topic of intense discussion at blockworks yesterday when, when this all came out and people are pretty divided i tend to be in the camp of do you remember I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago where we talked about Chegg and oh, yeah. there was an a. earnings call yeah. and they mentioned AI in a negative sense and the stock went down 30%. Yep. And we said that there were going to be more short-term overreactions to AI. Yeah. And I just think this is the inverse of Chegg. They mentioned AI in a positive sense. Now, there, were, it seems like there were real fundamentals to back it up, but guess what? There were real fundamentals to back Zoom up too when it was you know, ripping and doing its thing during COVID. Look at where the stock is now. You know, I, I just think... Peloton, on-
1: Peloton, great. Yeah, and, and,
0: and by the way, I'm not I'm not saying that NVIDIA is going to end up like Zoom or Peloton, but when you get to a trillion dollars, you are in rarefied air. There are very few companies that command a market cap of that size. And look, it's already doubled so far this year. It It's kind of right now, it's the only pure play for AI, but I just, it's very hard for you know what it's going to double from here and be the most valuable company in the world it's going to be as valuable as apple i just i just can't see it
1: now have you heard anyone talk about the electricity and energy use for ai I, that's you know what mark that's such a good point no i haven't no i haven't now why why would that be cuz i guarantee you <laughs> I guarantee you it's orders of magnitude more than bitcoin we have congressional committees trying to pass bills against energy use for Bitcoin mining, mm-hmm. but AI, not a peep, mm-hmm. not a freaking peep.
0: Give it time, though; it might. <laughs> it might. I mean,
1: I, I look. I I don't know how much you you play with with Chat GPT, but I did. You know, I was I was bored the other night. Stacy was watching some show on TV, and it was like, not my thing. And so I was just sitting there putting stuff into chat and it's whirring away, wasting energy. I, you know, that was, and you know, just it, it further, and I've said this, it's not very good. I mean, it's Mm. really not very good. It's, Mm. it's really good at a couple things. Like you need a thank you note or a, or a blog post that's dry and not very fun. Mm. It's your, it's your tool but it has no personality. It has no, I mean, I don't know if you've, if you've actually read the stuff that it, it prints, you know, and actually like come back to it. It's just like, bleh. it's like cardboard. Mm-hmm. There's just no, there's no soul, right? Yeah. But then for, for, for stuff that you need accuracy, it's horrible, horrible.
0: Yeah, I actually sort of find it helpful for, for idea generation. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing a, like, for instance, the, the next season of bell, I don't want to reveal what the next season of bell curve is on, but I, I kind of, like, I kind of start those seasons by playing around with ideas. Like what are the themes of this season going to be? And I've actually started to use chat GPT for that. I will say there's some creative stuff that it will spit back at me that I was like, I was not thinking about that like that. And then I dig into it. It's helpful as sort of a muse as a, as a first is a first go, when you're staring at the blank page, it's helpful to me. But yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I, I do think, I don't know, something about it has sort of started to rub me. When you hear the people that really are just salivating over Chat ChatGBT, it's these executives who think they're going to cut 30% of their workforce and juice their bottom line. And I just, something is, telling. I just don't think it's going to play out like that for them. Really, really, ChatGBT is an interesting technology, sort of like crypto actually, in that it actually doesn't really impact the frontline workers and the blue collar workers. The people that it impacts are the knowledge workers. This is this will be, yeah. I think Chat will be pretty brutal for sort of middle management, middle to upper yeah, management.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, you know, I, I want to do something that I've, I meant to do when we when we started, Michael, yeah. and um I just forgot and I apologize to to the listeners. Um I just want to give just another huge thank you. I mean literally thank you. You know, when I have been traveling, I'm kind of amazed and humbled. Actually, I ra- I ran into probably ten in the last week. People came up and said, "Oh my gosh, I listen to you guys every Saturday." <laughs> that is that is awesome. I mean, that I, is am, awesome. I am like seriously grateful, and it's all walks of life. I mean, it was a young kind of punked out young person at, at Bitcoin twenty twenty three. And I don't mean punked out in a bad way. I mean just a lot of style and different dress. And and then it was a, you know, sixty-five year old RIA yesterday. Like that's that's cool. You and so range, I just baby. Want to say thank you to everybody <laughs> who, who does listen to us ramble on. Um although it is funny, I, I, I had one one guy send me a, a comment saying you know, I, I, just can't, I just can't get through the whole thing because, you know, you never get to your point. Like, well, okay, just, just remember what we're doing. Mm. Michael's presenting stuff that he's done research on and I'm kind of reacting to it. We're having a conversation. That's very different than a news show where we're just reading talking points. If we yeah, had that already that. done the research and come to a conclusion, we could just read talking points and we'd be done in 20 minutes. Mm. But that's not what this is. This mm. is dialogue and debate in search of truth and kind of the Socratic questioning, which is your, what you're so good at. And then my rambling is, is me thinking in real time. So I apologize if I ramble. It is my nature. Um, but anyway, that's what we are. I
0: have a lot of fun, Mark. And yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you about that. I think it's what makes the show unique. Um, I just have a lot of fun with it. So I appreciate everyone who listens. Thanks, guys. It means a lot that you give us your, your Saturday mornings. That's exactly that's awesome. Yeah, um, so maybe you know, <laughs> with the idea of sort of a Socratic question here, I one thing that I, I do find myself wondering a lot. So I started this started this podcast by saying, "Hey, I've started to feel optimistic relatively about crypto, right? Because I do think the rate hike cycle has, if not finished, it's close to topping yep. out. The majority of the wood has been chopped, and the halving is coming up within the span of about a year. Those tend to be very bullish for for crypto prices." And liquidity is kind of down, which, you know, that cuts both ways, but certainly when the run starts going, it's, it's good to be low liquidity at the beginning. So I kind of look at that, but when I, when I zoom out and look at the macro, I still have a lot of questions and I find it very hard to get too bold up or very enthusiastic. And those are these two, it's, 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 so it is tale of two markets, which doesn't make me super comfortable in my in my conviction. And I wonder if you think about it the same way or if you have no, a different way of thinking about it. I think of it exactly
1: it. the same way. I think yeah. of exactly the same way, but an anecdotal isn't really good, right? Mm. I mean, most things in life, if you just look at anecdotal stuff, often that's the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, But, but as I said, I tried to get a parking place at the airport the other day. I mean, overflow. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, The Dallas airport yesterday. I can't even explain how busy it was. And I've traveled a lot in my 35 years of of career. This is near the peak of of anything I've ever seen. And at this hotel in, in Dallas, looking out across the street, building a brand new office tower. Like what? So the, the activity level, the, you know, I was talking to somebody about traffic. Like one of the things I love right now is when you talk to people, you're not talking about COVID, you're talking about traffic and the weather, right? Which is what you're supposed to talk about. That's what small talk is supposed to be about. And, you know, traffic patterns and, um, I don't know. So I, I hear you when, when I just look at the data, when I look at data on, um, you know commercial real estate exposure and 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 debt when I look at at high yield spreads when I look at you know credit card delinquencies, when I look at you know all kinds of indicators of of economic activity i I, I get less optimistic, but man, the anecdotal stuff in the last few weeks has been surprising to me mm.
0: yeah i uh i I'm with you as well i actually i was just I missed this story from the good state of Massachusetts, but apparently there was a there was some unemployment fraud that was going on that was juicing the numbers, and that has been revised out of uh, continuing claims. Which mm-hmm. now, here I can share my screen. Actually, this is from Daily Shot. Shout out Daily Shot. I read you guys. They're every so week, good. I think it's just so good. Yeah, and if it's, it's one
1: it's, person, it's unbelievable. If it's a team,
0: I would kudos. have to. Yeah, I would have to imagine it's a team at this point, but. Yeah, so basically, this has uh, you know this now you're looking at initial jobless claims versus 2018, 2019, 2022, and it it is starting to move in the direction of you know a uh, a loosening labor market, right? Meaning that yeah. jobless jobless claims are picking up, and that that would broadly make sense to me. It has been, you know, you often hear the sort of transfer payments from the government cited as to why people have been so reluctant to return back to the labor market. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I think that's missing the mark. I I know it was sort of different, um, you know, depending on what your job status was. And people were, I do remember uh, at a period of COVID where they were getting, um, you know, people were getting very high sort of uh, unemployment payments. And yeah, there are these Google stories of paying out six months of salary. I, I just don't think that's the norm. In the economy, I, right. I think there's something bigger that's going on. Uh, I just I just haven't been able to foot what's happened in the last year with the unemployment data. And I know people say that this stuff there's a lag, but you know we didn't hand out tens of thousands of dollars per person. You know,
1: I no, it's you know, it's, it's a really it's a really important and fair point. And you're right. The the Google severance packages are the exception, not the norm. Yeah. And you know, you you lose your restaurant job. You don't get severance um, you know you you lose your baggage handling job at the airport because there are fewer flights now that is the one thing that i I haven't looked at the data on is you know the number of flights is certainly down, so flights that you have are certainly packed and and full and but um i I'm with you that the well, you know how I feel about the, the unemployment data. I just think it's stupid because it's all birth-death ratio at this point because they haven't declared a recession. And so, what, 70-odd percent of the jobs are yeah. real. And, you know, when the administration says, oh, I've created more jobs than any president in history, I'm like, shut up. I mean, that's just, that's just a stupid statement. One of many stupid statements that comes out of, you know, that guy's mouth. And I hate to pick on, you know, I, I do, I hate to pick on this guy because I, you know, I, <laughs> I have to admit that I voted for him, which makes me cringe now, because I think he's horrible at his job. Um, and I think he's propagating this thing that we're talking about that's starting to look and feel a lot like socialism and communism, which is scary to me. But but I don't know. I'm I'm with you that there's something that doesn't foot with all the data. And you know the other one that that doesn't foot, Michael. Remember, four or five months ago when we talked about how the average mortgage payment was going to jump a thousand bucks.
0: Yeah, what's right? up? Yeah, and mine
1: did. Right, mine, mine did. And it's kind of a whole funny story why why I no longer bank with Bank of America because they wouldn't let me refinance. Um, and like, fine, then I'll just leave and I'll pay down the mortgage and go away. Yeah. So. Um, but $1,000 for the average family, making $58,000, they don't have that. Right? Yeah. There's not that wiggle room in the monthly budget. So where's that stress? That's That's the one that I can't reconcile. That is a monster amount of stress and should be reflected in travel, leisure, you know, consumer goods, retail sales. Yet they've been okay. They haven't been blockbuster, but they haven't been bad, and that's that's weird to me.
0: I think I have an answer. I this is this is my you know at this point in time, this is the way that I can knit all these things together in my mind is just we we're we're still waiting. We're still waiting for the lag effects of all these things. Good. That's what I think. I think it's going to be you know people say long variable lag. So when do we start hiking in? You know, it's been about 12 months since Mm -hmm. we started the hikes. Mm -hmm. What do people say? It takes about 12 to 18. So, you know, you and I right now are sitting here in limbo and we're wondering, when is the effect here? Yeah, we've had some stress in the banking system, but largely we're looking not too shabby here. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. really foot with what we think should (laughs) be happening. And there have been, you know, a couple situations where I've like looked at something and been like, why, how is this possible? How is this happening? And then something happens, but it happens a year after I think that it should happen. And I think that's kind of what's happening right now. Now with mortgages- no, I would bet
1: there's nobody that has as their goal not too shabby, <laughs> but I agree with you that, that that's yeah. where we are. We're not too shabby. And my guess is that's not the optimal goal, but it's better than you know crappy technically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you there. It's very hard. I sort of feel like people would make it a little bit easier, easier on themselves. If they just said, Hey, life isn't linear. It's not always going to go up and to the right. It's probably going to be a crappy two years. That, that's how I do it. I, I, I sleep easier once I've it's going to not go up for the next year or so. I made my peace with that mentally. And I bake that into my expectation set. And then, you know, but well, I, here's it, it's very thing. challenging. Despite, for life, you
1: know. despite the whole Nvidia, you know, big move yesterday, yeah. The S&P is dead flat over the last year. Yeah. Right.
0: 4158,
1: 4160, yeah. something like that. So, that's interesting. So that is and that's better than being down, right? I mean, it's not too shabby. Um yeah. as I that's so, so forget sinister Saturday, this is not too shabby Saturday. Um that's our our new moniker.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's um I don't know. I don't really know what to make of it. I well, there were lots of, you know, predictions of, you know, doom for twenty twenty two. And it was it was bad. It was not a great year. If you were in crypto or if you were in tech or something like that, you got absolutely smoked and you certainly took your medicine. Yep. But the SP, I mean, what was it? It was down something like 19%, 20% yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing, nothing too shabby. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. And, hey, speaking of, of tech, quick little shout out. To my on-chain monkey crew, Danny Yang is going to make history uh, mm. this weekend. Uh, he's going to create the first 3D generative art on Bitcoin. Uh, nice, using the Ordinals protocol, and this is just some amazing technical stuff. And I'm just proud to be one of the the members, and I want to give Danny a shout out because he is a mad genius.
0: Yeah the or- the Ordinals thing, I think is one of the I think it is one of the most interesting uh, things to happen to bitcoin in in quite some time. And for yeah, you know, for those of you who I think we we talked about this on on a previous yeah. roundup, but just a uh, level set for folks who aren't kind of in the weeds with Bitcoin, Bitcoin has there are two sort of sets of fees, right? There's a subsidy, which is the inflation, a block subsidy, which is an inflation of the network. and that's uh, that's the majority of how miners get paid today. And then there are transactions feeds. So if you want to send X amount of Bitcoin from Mike to Mark, then there's a transaction fee included there as well. And the concern is eventually the block subsidy is going to run out. So what's going to incentivize the miners to keep mining, uh, you know, basically uh, validating the network? Mm-hmm. And now with the, the advent of ordinals, which is basically inscriptions on the Bitcoin blockchain, then you suddenly that the, there was a day I think uh, Jameson Lopp, I saw tweeted out that transaction feeds actually exceeded the yep. block subsidy. So you know in, in that sense it's very cool. It solves a big security issue. On the other hand, does it dilute the value proposition of Bitcoin as a sort of financial transactions only and sort of a global? Of course, but that's not what it
1: is, right? What hmm. what? Look, the white paper the white paper. Peer to peer, you know, cash network. Um, nope, it's money. Bitcoin is money. Mm. It's money. Money is an asset that exists in the absence of liability. Gold, it's digital gold. What does gold do? Sits at the base layer of money. There's gold in America. There's Fedwire. There's ACH, Visa, et cetera. Okay. That's what Bitcoin is. We're not going to use, well, I shouldn't say not. It's going to take time to go from the being the base layer of money, better money, to actually you know we exchange Sats uh, because that's all anybody uses. That's going to take time. We're, we're going to live in a in a fiat and Bitcoin world first, and Bitcoin is going to become the digital base layer, and then we'll use things like Lightning and others to move to move Sats or or Strike, right, which I love. Um, full disclosure, an investor, and um, but Ordinals is is cool. I mean, it's it's very cool, and it's it's a great example of innovation, right? I mean, there's a there's an opportunity. Someone innovates. Someone sees an opportunity. Says, you know what? If I have a really valuable asset, right? I have a I have the digital Van Gogh or digital Matisse. Where do I want to store that? I don't want to store it where it can be stolen or hacked. I want to store it where it's safe, secure. What's the safest, most secure computing network the world has ever known? The Bitcoin blockchain, and it's not close. Right? It's, there's not a close second. And that's again, that's not a criticism of all the others. You don't think Ethereum is?
0: Pardon? You don't think Ethereum's close in terms of the uh,
1: settlement guarantees? I, I. I don't think it's close, but mm. to me, to me, well, and then and, and we could probably debate this, but to me, it's probably like, well, <laughs> I always refer to it as, as you know, um, venture capital, right? Yeah. Silicon Valley, which is number one <clears throat> by far. There's Route 128 in Boston, which is number two. And The gap, it depends who you talk to. If you talk to someone on the right coast, they'll say it's not much gap. If you talk to someone on the left coast, say it's a big gap. And then there's everybody else who thinks they're number three, right? Austin, you know, New York, whatever. Um, I will argue that 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 gap's pretty big between Silicon Valley and Route 128. Route 128 used to be the best. And then in business schools, it's like, you know, Harvard, Stanford, and then everybody else who thinks they're number three. And a Chicago grad, you know, when they, Chicago used to claim, oh, we're number one this year. No, you're not. Harvard's always number one. Stanford's number 2 and maybe you can be number 3 against MIT or or whatever. But um, I will argue Bitcoin's number 1. Ethereum is pretty big step down. We can debate that sometime. Maybe we should. Um yeah. and then I think there's a bunch of other stuff. I I'm I'm still not convinced and I'm willing to be convinced that proof of stake is as secure as as proof of work. But but that's probably because I don't it could be that I don't understand the technology well enough to, but that that's my view that proof of work is at least one order of magnitude more secure than proof of stake.
0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you for listening to On The Margin. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a very special offer that we have coming out of BlockWorks Research. Now, many of you will probably be familiar with our platform, but BlockWorks Research is the most blue chip spot to get research, data, governance, models, and a whole lot more about the leading DeFi protocols in the space. I've leaned on our analysts time and time again to explain complicated concepts going on in DeFi to me like I'm five years old. They can do the same for you. If you invest in DeFi or are just interested in it, it is an absolute no-brainer. As a listener of On The Margin and to say thank you all for listening to the show, you can use Margin 10 for a 10% discount and that gives you access to everything, which would be weekly in-depth reports, live data, all of that good stuff. So again, that's code Margin 10 for a 10% discount. Link is in the show notes. Sign up now. Thank you later. But. I, so I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Um, and Bitcoin is the king. It's the one, you know, uh, it, it's impossible to talk about this without people accusing you of bias. I like both of them. I don't view them as being I do competition. Like both. I, I
1: do just like don't both.
0: view them as being competition. I think they're very different things. And I think, I think the challenge though, is is someone who like, you got to approach it from your own, you know, unique perspective and your viewpoint. And, I think in order to like really, truly love Bitcoin and have it be the vast majority, like the only holding that you have, you have to have a pretty dim view of what's going to happen in the future. Otherwise, if you didn't, let's just say for a second, you didn't believe that there was a problem with interest rates and debt and the Federal Reserve, Mm -hmm. and there wasn't some sort of reckoning coming, you would want to do invest in like the area where there's innovation and excitement and things building. As a matter of fact, I do sort of tend to think that there's probably some sort of reckoning coming, and that's why I like Bitcoin. Um, that said, there's not much to do on that on that network. You know, Correct. like after after I just buy the Bitcoin and I hold it and I save, uh, it, that's just not my, I, I want to do other stuff in my career. I work in this industry. In In something like Ethereum, there's just a lot more applications and stuff being built. And you can do things like, for instance, there's a, you know, there's yield. You start to see primitives yeah. of like borrow, lend, and yeah. money market funds, and all of this stuff, and that to me is just more intellectually interesting, and it kind of draws a lot of my my, my mind share and space. And the construction of the Bitcoin blockchain, what makes its block space so unique, and why you know it's a great store of store value and and pristine collateral, makes it very difficult to build all the stuff that Ethereum has built on top of it. And I just wish that. I don't know. I always devolve back to the same annoying point, which is that I just think these things are, they have pursued two different roadmaps. I don't understand why they have to be in competition with each other. You could simply hold both. And like tribalism
1: right is, it's like why do the left and right have to argue so much, right? Why can't we all be in the middle?
0: Because, <laughs> yeah, because
1: tribalism. Look, we're, we are tribal at our core, yeah. right? Humans are, are tribal. And and that's not necessarily a bad, actually it's a good thing. I mean, yeah. extremes, it's bad, right? Of anything, Um, you know, there's pretty, there are very few things that the extreme isn't, isn't bad. Um, maybe compassion would be the one where, you know, if you're really compassionate, that's okay. But I go, I look, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I, I hear the maxis drone on and, and I just, I just ignore the, the, the nonsense of it, the, the toxic, Part of it, because look, if if capital I capital F, if you can show me how you overcome the the things that you spoke of and build DeFi on the Bitcoin blockchain, build layer three and layer four like Fedwire, ACH, Visa on Bitcoin, fine. Then we can have one chain to rule all chains, right? The Sauron of 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 crypto. Um, fine, but we don't have that yet. And I'm still in this, you know, we've talked about this. I get, I got three mental models. I got the current stack in web2. TCP IP, FTP, SMTP, HTTP, www. that ties it all together. Okay? Maybe we replicate that. Bitcoin, Filecoin, Ethereum is this amazing toolkit. It just is. Lots of stuff being built. What's SMTP? What's HTTP? I, I, I struggle with that part. Then you got the, oh, no, no, no. There's all these L1s. We're going to bridge them. We're going to have interoperability. Lots of attack vectors. Uh, maybe. Maybe someone can technologically secure it. And maybe with the 3PU chip from Chain Reaction, maybe you can you can have that work. I don't know. But... The the Bitcoin to rule all coins and Bitcoin Lightning. Where's my L3? Where's my L4? And but I'm open, but I'm not going to ignore the fact that there's lots of interesting things being built in Ethereum. There's lots of interesting talent. I will say, well, I was after one little sinister Saturday. So the one niggly thing that, that does bug me, right? And I think I've told you the story before that I had this, this weird fear because when I first started looking at this back in 2013, 14, I, I just put in Satoshi Nakamoto into Google and it actually returned intelligence central. I'm like, what, why is that? Well, Nakamoto is the surname of families from the central provinces of, of Japan. And Satoshi means intelligence. I like, whoa, that is way too close to CIA, right? And I'm and like, well, why would the CIA build this? Oh, Jesus. They know the dollar's done. So they get everybody convert fiat to Bitcoin and then backdoor steal it. And so I worried about that for, for a while. And Scott Stornetta is a venture partner of ours. And for people who don't know Scott, if you read the white paper, there are eight footnotes, he and his partner, who are the founders of cryptographic security and blockchain technology. They, they you know, they're the progenitors. And he's cited three times in, in the white paper. And so I asked Scott, what do you think? He goes, hmm, never thought about that. No one's ever asked me that question. No. How, how did you do, how, how can you give me that definitive answer that fast as well? Because the way you're thinking about a backdoor isn't possible because of the air gap. Ethereum doesn't have that air gap.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it bothers me, and this is probably irrational. It bothers me that Vitalik was a Teal Fellow. Mm-hmm. What has Teal been rumored to be? An asset. Could there be a backdoor? Anyway, that's my Sinister Saturday one. And it's probably completely irrational, but anyway.
0: I have no idea. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I, I, I've i got no idea on that. I I do think like, it, uh, you know I'm choosing to be optimistic about all this stuff. That's that's my that's my choice. Yeah, I even like, right. you know, I look.
1: commit I commit to be optimistic with you. I appreciate that.
0: You know, and it, you know, who knows? I'm getting into slow horses. I don't know if you've seen that show on Apple. Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Mark it is so good. Just watch season one of Slow, slow Horses. I don't know. Yeah, Slow Horses. I'm, it's in. This. I'm in. It's a uh, it's Gary Oldman. It stars Gary Oldman. He's the head of a. They call it Slough House, which is sort of the reject space of MI5, the intelligence agency oh. based in the UK. And it's just good old-fashioned spy espionage sort of fun. It's just it's a phenomenal show. It's very well done. It Gary Oldman, it's probably my favorite character I've ever seen Gary Oldman play, and I'm a Gary Oldman stan. So oh, no, no, worth no, no. Look, I'm
1: I'm in. I'm I'm totally in. I um I need I need a hit because I'm 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 kind of, I'm almost wanting to go back and watch Mr. Robot again and, and, and see all the stuff that I missed the first time. I got to rewatch it. But I just can't, I can't take the gratuitous violence. It just, just rubs me the wrong way. Um, (laughs) But so I will definitely watch this. And, uh, you know, I'm almost done with Wrexham. um, Almost, you know, optimism, Ted Lasso, baby, right? Be like Lasso. That is that is the way to live your life. I
0: want to be like Lasso. I can't get into this third season. I haven't haven't been a fan. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. was diehard for one and two, and it's kind of dropped off on no, me. No, no, really Look,
1: I, I'm with you. There's some storyline, like the Keeley storyline, I'm done with. It's like, no, not interesting. I'm with
0: you. I was here for Ted Lasso. I, that, that's give me, what I want. Give me Ted. Give me Roy. Like, yeah, you Roy, can give me
1: Roy all day
0: long. Yeah, you know, that guy, I was just, I was looking it up. I'm pretty sure he's, a writer. A writer. A, yeah, he's a writer. And
1: he, he sent an email to the producer saying, I think I'm this character. <laughs> and they're That's like, awesome no, no, you're not an actor. Like. He's like, no, no, I, I really think I'm this character. And he Super is. Funny. I mean, it's. Yeah.
0: He nails it's the so character. Awesome. Yeah, he absolutely hits it but out. But you're of the park.
1: right. The, the, some of the storylines are, are are not there. Um, yeah. It's like I'm in the middle of, of Welcome to Wrexham. And it would start off so great. And it was like, okay, come on guys. Okay. I've seen this five times. Six is too many. Seven is too many. Do something new. And look, I, I love those guys. They're so hilarious. And, and I love the story, but I think the, I think the same problem with Lasso. And you, you see it in a lot of shows, right? They, they hit on three or four really good ideas. And I'm like, well, let's just do that again with a different character, or or do it again with the same character, and maybe no one will notice. Like, no, we notice.
0: Yeah. Anyway, the the point I was trying to get at with the slow horses is I, I've been, it, you know, it's intelligence, right? And the it, I, I don't want to give anything away, but the first season, I was like, wow, that if that kind of stuff goes on, I it made me dig into. I was like, what has the CIA done in the past? And I've looked up all these stories, and one that's probably super obvious, right? But you know, they'll do things like they'll covertly buy and operate uh companies you know and there's a cool story about them buying and operating a Chinese airline company yes. so that they could basically you know they could drop agents in and out of China for a number of years that they eventually retired there was a WAPO story about I think the CIA buying and owning basically some sort of manufacturer that puts uh you know parts into different um in, into different you know uh capital equipment or stuff like that so mm-hmm. I just it mean, really got you mean,
1: me. You mean Warren buying a big stake of, of BYD might have other ulterior motives?
0: That I'm not sure. I no idea. But I just I, <laughs> I I just you know I don't know. I've thought about this before, but you know I have these opinions right on how the world should work and certain politicians and you know countries, and I probably have access to about three percent of the information. You know, p- p- honestly. Probably less, probably less than that. But then what's the alternative? Do I just not form an opinion about this stuff because I, I am missing 98% of the information? I don't know, such as yeah. life being a civilian, I guess. I guess that's actually the exorbitant privilege Here's of a being weird a civilian one. is that you don't have the to know. Fremont,
1: the Fremont factory for Tesla after 10 years is still only 70% capacity. Mm. And the China factory, is it 90 plus percent after two years? Hmm. That's interesting.
0: I've actually got an explanation for that. I, I used to, I used to work in, in consulting and our specialty was steel. And I actually saw Balaji tweet something out about this. I almost retweeted it and then I decided not to, but, uh, so he tweeted this chart of steel production and maybe, maybe I can find it and link it, but basically you know, the U.S. used to produce a lot of steel and then yeah. China suddenly started producing a whole, a whole enormous amount of steel. And yeah, the the implication was that, look, at the U.S. is falling off again. And the truth is just very nuanced. So one, keep in mind, China is basically a central planner, right? So right. in a centrally planned economy, success is determined by the output. And Correct. that can look very good for a period of time, right? It looked very good in the Soviet Union until they blew themselves up because that actually doesn't make a lot of sense. And in, in the, st- in the world of steel, the big topic is China flooding the world with overcapacity. They have a centrally planned economy. So it might not be a super good move. The other, the other side of that is sorry to say this, but you know, the U S there, there's like, there, the, there are three uh, centers of the world that produce steel. It's us, Europe, and China mm-hmm. in Europe, you call them up. Good luck. You could go up and call them up saying, I want to spend $50 million with you. You you could wait two weeks before you get a call back because everyone's on vacation there and everyone leaves at two o'clock. US, if you want to get a big, if you literally are trying to spend $100 million with a certain mill or service center or something like that, everyone's gone at 3 p.m. takes a while to get back. Chinese steel mill, you call them at 10 p.m. their time the next night, they will have a quote for you the next morning. Anyway, it's been interesting to see, you know, Tucker Carlson left Fox and boom, he debuts. Now he's going to be putting together a show on Twitter. I don't know if you saw a Twitter space with Ron DeSantis. DeSantis announced his presidency via Twitter spaces, which, look, I'm sure they got a lot of people. To be honest, it was a little of a, bit of a botch job. There's a big, yeah. you know, malfunction in the beginning. He, they it, overloaded it,
1: the system. Spaces isn't supposed to have six and a half million people. I know six it's and a half million so. people. Yeah, I mean, come on. But, I know. It reminds me there was a commercial uh, uh, years ago. These two guys, you know, they're building something. I don't even remember what it was, and and they box up their their first thing, and and they hit send on their website, and. A little clicker goes one, and it's orders, two, three, and, uh, and they're like, "Oh, geez, what do we do now?" And yeah. um, I think that's that's, that's kind of what's happening. Yeah. Is, um,
0: look, who knows? It's you know what I've actually. I've heard about this uh, just on the, on the threat of like some sort of infiltration like that. I've actually heard that all basically all the developed nations have enough power to take out critical infrastructure of every other nation. It's oh, just cool. sort of a, a mutually assured destruction thing that you don't do that. You know, of I, course. I,
1: like, Michael, all right, your homework assignment, um, <laughs> get the movie, Michael and me. Okay. Mm. Don't watch the whole thing. It's just, it's a terrible movie, but find the nine minutes- Michael and me. Michael and me. Um, and I mean, Ro- I'm sorry, Roger and me, Roger and oh, me, yeah. Roger and me, by Michael, um, whatever his name is, um, Roger and me. And it's the story of the GM guy. And in there, there's a nine minute, um, like mini featurette that goes through the history of CIA setups. And knockdowns over the years, and it's fascinating, yeah. absolutely fascinating. From Nicaragua to, you know, Grenada to Cuba, to, and it. Was, I was like, whoa! Um God, I'll give that
0: a watch. I, yeah. you know, how there's that. Um, it's like when you become a dad; it's like you got, Pick one war: the Civil War, World War II, and then you could just got to make it—you know, thirty percent of your personality. Or that's uh, paraphrasing and butchering the joke. But I have found myself getting much more <laughs> interested in World War II and espionage and all that stuff lately. I just find it so interesting, and I think it's an interesting hypothetical. Imagine, imagine, Mark, that you chair the CIA. You have basically infinite resources. You your whole job is to be taciturn and you know secret and gather intelligence and think outside the box to problem solve. So you don't have to send troops into places. I mean, think about some of the wild stuff you would do. People have done it all. I looked at you know, actually...
1: it all. And look, I'll, I'll tell you two funny stories. So, you know, Notre Dame actually is one of the biggest suppliers of bodies to secret service and CIA, right. um, you know, good Catholic guilt, all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> And yeah. so a bunch of my friends and cohorts so uh, are are different levels in, in, in there. And two funny ones. So my wife's um, roommate, when, when we were at Notre Dame together, uh, her dad, the roommate's dad used to show up like unannounced like and the, the girl would be like, Dad, what are you doing here? Where, where, where'd you come from? So I, I, I was just close by and I, I just stopped in. And they lived outside of Virginia, and um, she, after graduation, vanished off the grid, 20 years, gone. Like no one heard from her, no one. and then retired, popped back on. So her dad, she they were all in the same thing. Then the other funny one was this this buddy of mine, his daughter, um, went to indeed she's about five foot tall, you know. Not very intimidating, and uh, she signs up for Arabic. And Dad's like Arabic, what? Arabic? And then first summer, she hires a former FBI agent to teach her hand-to-hand combat. He's like, "What are you doing?" He says, "Dad, I'm going in the CIA," and she did. And so there's this. You know, five foot nothing, badass somewhere in the Middle East, uh, protecting us um, from Tyler, Texas. Which is kind of funny.
0: So I'm just looking up. I'm sorry, I'm looking up crazy CIA stories. Mark, listen. Some of these are like, just listen to this one. Ready? So this was apparently a real plot. So the CIA wanted to make Fidel Castro's beard fall out. So Valium <laughs> <thallium laughs> is a toxic chemical element that can cause symptoms as far ranging as abdominal pain, headaches, and seizures, hair loss. Uh, And eventually death. The goal was to sprinkle the thallium in Castro's shoes during an overseas trip, where it would be absorbed through his skin, causing him to lose his beard and robbing him of his machismo. First of all, that's messed up. Second of all, just think about that. I would love, I honestly, sorry, all, uh, we're just spitballing here and have, I would love to be in the brainstorm session where an agent seriously proposed that and then it was taken up as a good idea. Oh my God.
1: Absolutely. Let's make
0: his damn beard fall out. No,
1: we, we should you get rid me? of the beard. <laughs> I mean, well, maybe maybe we could put nair on oh his my. hand towel so when he wipes his face, oh. you know. I mean, but yeah. I, now, now you do look more machismo with with your with your scruff, my friend.
0: So uh, I appreciate that. Every and, time and you know
1: what I I watched. Uh, it's actually a really bad movie. I was coming home hmm. on planet night. so I watched Black Adam. Um, which I, the, heard that I thought got, the rock and I thought it'd be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: me it's too. a bad movie. Bad. I heard it got poor abuse, yeah. Oh, poor. You can't can't get it right in but, DC.
1: But Pierce Brosnan, and Pierce is a handsome man anyway, but he had this this goatee going. I'm like, damn it, I want my goatee back. I mean Van yeah. Dyke, is Van Dyke, not the goatee, it was the full Van Dyke. Like, but when I when I grew the Van Dyke, I liked it. And um my wife says, No, it makes you look mean. I'm like, mm. Well, that's kind of a good thing, right? It's, it's kind of a machismo thing, but she won't let me have it. So, but Pierce had a, had an amazing Van Dyke in in Blackout. So. All
0: right, Mark. This feels about as good of a place as any to end it. As always, best hour of my week, my friend. Awesome.
1: I know it always is. And uh, again, thank you to everybody who shares it with us because you know, as as much fun as it is to do it with you every week, and it is. Awesome and I and I love it. And if nobody listened to it, that would that would be okay. But the fact that people listen to it and enjoy it is is really special. So thank you. Awesome. Mark, I'll see you here same time next week. Same time, same bat channel. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>